Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Alexis en el descuento ha marcado el Arsenal como viene siendo habitual esta temporada. Gol de Alexis 1-0 Arsenal. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there and welcome to another Arscast Extra. With me as always James from Gunnerblog. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. Did you know that uh, when I asked the questions, they asked people for questions on Twitter, we are now trending in the United Kingdom. Arscast Extra hashtag is trending. That's quite cool. Yeah, so thank you. Um, thank you, everyone, for all your uh, hashtag goodness. Um, how are you after yesterday's what seemed like extremely long day? <laughs> Fatigued, yeah. Um, it certainly was a long day. Really, It really dragged on well beyond the supposed deadline, didn't it, in our yeah. case? Um, I mean, you made the bold decision to live blog the entire thing. <laughs> At what point did you begin regretting that? Uh, probably about midday. I yeah. think <laughs> when you sent me that uh, uh, message on Twitter going, honestly, what do you think is going to happen? And I went, nothing. Yeah. So I kind of had to <laughs> fill the afternoon with um, some more creative stuff. But look, it picked up in the um, picked up in the evening, Certainly. And then we made a signing that, um, well, I mean, I wasn't expecting it. And if you'd said it to me three days ago, I probably would have been like, Ugh. but, you know, in the cold light of day and in the circumstances, I'm finding more and more to like about uh, the signing of Danny Welbeck, leaving aside the other issues, which we'll come to, obviously. But, well, what do you make of it? I mean, uh, yeah, I'm quite positive. Go on then, tell me what the what the things you're finding to like about it are. Well, he's he's young. He's a he's a central striker who hasn't really been given a go as a central striker, and we need one of those. Um, he, he's almost like I don't know if you'd say he's a cross between the the Giroud Sonogo style and somebody with a bit more zip, you know, w- w- with a bit of pace. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe at Manchester United he he found himself stifled, didn't he, by the arrival of Van Persie, by Rooney, by Mata, by by the way that the team was set up. I don't think it really suited him a great deal. And we've seen um, people keep mentioning Daniel Sturridge as a player who, at a club like Chelsea, you know, just didn't quite do it. But the minute he moved somewhere else and got a bit more responsibility, and at the same age as Welbeck he kind of kicked on. So I, I think there's the potential for this to be a very good signing. And I look, he's better so. than Sonogo. <laughs> I mean, that is quite a big thing, isn't it? I know uh, it's a low bar, but that's kind of where we are at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're facing up to the prospects of playing Sonogo pretty regularly between, 
you know, now and Christmas, and now that doesn't look so much the case. Uh, I, I think it's a really interesting signing. Um, you know, Welbeck, he's powerful. He's very quick. You know, the thought of us lining up with a front three of Walcott, Welbeck and Alexis is very exciting. An awful mm. lot of pace there. Um, he he doesn't have a great goal-scoring record, but I feel like that's something that that could come with confidence and with time. I think the most important thing he can do in our team at the moment is kind of be that physical presence, you know, at the head of the team, hold the ball up, bring others into play. And he's definitely got the technical ability to do that. Um, he reminds me a little bit of Emmanuel Adebayor when he first came to Arsenal, you know, quite rangy, sort of very powerful. And at that point in his career, Adebayor still ran quite a lot, if you remember. <laughs> but do you remember when he first came over, he was with this big bundle of energy just yeah. to charge around the pitch. He, he sort of did all Thierry Henry's heavy lifting for him at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And then when Adebayor's reputation grew, he, he sort of that, that part of his game sort of faded somewhat. But I feel like Welbeck still has that kind of effervescence and hopefully he can he can pick up the kind of finishing aspect, develop that kind of clinical streak in front of goal. And if he does, I think we've got a terrific play. He adds to the the growing sort of British core at the club, which I think Arsenal's quite passionate about. Mm. Um, and I think it'll be a, a good fit. Do you, I mean, do you think that some of the reaction yesterday, there was a guy, um, the, the, the Sky reporter was outside the Emirates and after announcing that Welbeck had had a medical, he, he was forced to backtrack a little bit, um, probably because the club were playing everything down at that point. And he said, we, uh, Arsenal have categorically said he hasn't had a medical. Um, and the, the group of urchins that were around him um, cheered like this was great news. You know, which struck struck me as odd, uh, you know, obviously a bit disrespectful, but, you know, the, the the same people who would say, oh, my God, we've got to play Sonogo are then cheering when we're supposedly not getting a, a striker like Welbeck. But some of the reaction, obviously, people were looking at names like Falcao, looking at Cavani. And when you look at Danny Welbeck in direct comparison, it feels a little bit underwhelming, but it does also feel like more of an Arsenal signing than either of those two. Yeah, certainly. I mean, let's deal with the Falcao thing. Do you think do you think there was ever any chance that Arsenal could have got Falcao in this window? N- no. Well, there's always a chance, isn't there? But I think the the key is the money that's being paid for the loan deal, the money that's been paid on his wages. I from what I can gather, um and I know Guillaume Balaguer is uh, occasionally off the mark with his um with his information, but the, the the deal is announced as a loan deal, but the expectation is that it will be a permanent deal next season. It's made on the proviso that it's going to be a permanent deal for 50 or 60 million uh, euros. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the whole Mendes thing. I don't think that we are ever going to get into bed with a Mendes client. Um, and I just think that having spent 30-odd million on Alexis, uh, I just didn't see us going that big. But also because I felt that even if we were to get a striker, we would spend money elsewhere. Um, right. But obviously we didn't do that, and that's something we'll, we'll, we'll come we'll, to that. We'll yeah. come to that. <laughs> but um, no, I don't think there was ever any real... I mean, I'd love to love for us to have given it a try and see what happens, but I, don't, I just don't think we'll operate in that realm. I think the salary as well must be a big thing. You know, it'd be on effectively double what our top earners are on, and... Uh, you know, we've seen a big increase in terms of what Arsenal are prepared to pay people in the, in the, in the past year or so. Mm. 
but I I think that would be a little bit too much too soon uh, for for us. Yeah. Um, so given that, I, I think you're right. I think that you know there is a slight sort of uh, relative view of it, whereby people are looking at Welbeck and looking at Falcao and thinking. You know, have we got the best end of this deal? Um, I also think there's a slight thing whereby he was a you know a player who played for a rival club, so inevitably there's that kind of um, mistrust and slight distaste about it. Yeah. Um, also, he's a player who who has had a bit of stick, hasn't he? I mean, because his record in front of goal is questionable. I know there's a lot of numbers doing the rounds at the moment saying that when he plays in his preferred position and when he starts games. He does invariably score goals, but you know he's not someone who was, you know, banging in thirty a season by any stretch. Mm. Um, so I think maybe that's a factor in people's thinking. I liked very much um, what Darren Richmond, uh, the football writer, said about Danny Welbeck. He said he he's the U two of football. He's neither as good as the fanatics believe, nor as bad as the haters suggest. <laughs> um, that's good. I don't follow too many Manchester United fans uh, on Twitter for obvious reasons, but you know the ones that I do seem pretty level headed um, and are sorry to see are sorry to see him go. So yeah. You know, I think uh, I think you kind of have to put a little bit of trust in that, and you know, profile wise, I I just think it might be one of those that in the you know when you go rent a movie or in the old days you'd rent a movie or you go to the cinema and you kind of think oh, I don't really want to go see this film, and then you come out of it going actually that was really good. Mm, mm. Maybe Welbeck is that kind of a player. It's like think, oh, I'm not sure, and then oh, actually, you know, I think he'll certainly endear himself to the Arsenal fans because his work rate is extraordinary. You know, he really puts himself around the pitch and he's a very, very willing runner. And I think that that will, you know, give him a good head start with the supporters. If he can add some finesse, you know, on top of that and start to score a few goals, then I think we fantastic. And I've got a, yeah, I've got a good feeling about it. I, I feel like we've bought someone with big potential and I feel like we've got the right manager to bring that potential out of him. Right. Well, look, okay, that's good. Um, we're liking that part of things. Mm-hmm. But there is um, there is a, uh, another issue, obviously, and that's at the back, um, mm-hmm. where we haven't, we haven't bought anyone uh, apart from Callum Chambers. The information um, that I got yesterday uh, live on BBC Five Live from Rory Smith Times was that Arsene Wenger told... Uh, him that Nacho Monreal is going to be our fourth choice centre back for the season, or at least until at least until January. Um, looking at the defensive roster is the best word I can think of. We've got uh, a right back, uh, a young centre half who can also play right back, two centre halves and two left backs. One of whom has an injury record that wouldn't fill you with a great deal of confidence about him being available for the entire season. Now, even if we were to add Hector Bellerin to um, to that young Spanish right back, it's kind of scary to think that that's what we've got till January anyway. Um, can you think of any good reason why knowing that we were going to be without Thomas Vermaelen from the end of last season, we haven't brought in another centre-half? No. <laughs> no, I can't. I mean, I've, as I'm sure all Arsenal fans, I've really wrestled with this one and tried to figure out what's gone on. Because, as you say, we knew, we've known for months, 
months and months, maybe even a year that we were going to need to add to the defence this summer. Um, you know, Callum Chambers was signed, but, you know, he was signed as Carl Jenkinson headed out. He was signed, I think, as much as a, a right-back as he was as a centre-half. Yeah, I agree. And when he started playing at centre-half in pre-season, it was very much viewed as a, a temporary measure at that time. And I think he excelled and he performed perhaps better than anticipated. Um, and maybe that threw Arsene Wenger's thinking. Maybe he thought, I've got this guy here who's going to be a great centre-half. I've got to make sure he gets minutes. I can't go and spend £20 million on the premium centre-back I thought I was going to get because that will, invert commas, kill Chambers. Yeah, but I mean, it's not even as if we needed a... A twenty million pound centre half. I mean, I think the Koscielny Mertesacker partnership is well established and and one that we should continue with. But what you're looking for is uh, more depth in that position, and we mm-hmm. we simply don't have it. And and the idea of an injury to Koscielny or Mertesacker leaves us in a in a fairly precarious situation. Um, I, I agree. You're preaching very much to a, yeah. a disgruntled choir. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody is going to be <laughs> sitting out there going, "No, <laughs> this is a great situation." It's just. It just seems. I can't see any logic to it other than maybe they they were trying to get people in and failed to do the failed to do the deals. But I mean, it looks from the outside as if we tried to get uh, Manolas, that the Greek centre half, doesn't it? I mean, mm. there were some stories saying that. You know, we he, he moved to Roma in the end and that we came in with a, a late offer to match Roma's bid, but it was too late, it didn't happen. Um, that feels like one we might have missed out on. I mean, how do you... So that's that's kind of how I kind of make sense of what's gone on, that Wenger kind of got distracted by Chambers and it kind of thwarted, it, it, it confused his plans. Mm. How, how do you make sense of what's gone on? Because it is very difficult to understand or explain. I, I Yeah, I don't really have any way of making sense of it I really don't because just it's such an important area of the of the of the team and to to have two established center halves chambers who has fantastic potential as we all know but even against Leicester on Sunday we saw a moment where uh what was the guy's name Uloa Ujoa Ujoa yeah. um just cut inside him and he went to ground. It was the same against Everton. If you remember when Mertesacker got done, Chambers slid mm-hmm. in on Lukaku. And and that's the the impetuousness of youth. And, and you think, you know, I'm going to make a great sliding tackle here, uh, which we know he's very capable of, but there there's a time and a place and you need to stay on your feet and you need to make sure that you don't get exposed. So um, I think he's going to have ups and downs, obviously, in his first season you know, he's being thrust into a, a top-level team and being asked to do a big, big job. So I think we're going to have to have a, a little bit of patience in that regard. Monreal, I saw him there playing against New York, New York Red Bulls. I mean, he looked comfortable enough, but then he was playing against Bradley Wright Phillips and some other guy, Thierry something, I don't know who he was. But hmm. um, I just think that there's, there's an issue with depth. That's where I think the problem is, and I, I can't really make any sense of it. And um, our friend West Antone, uh, this is part of the questions thing, but we'll just chuck it in here. He says, I think we're just one centre-back short of a good window. And knowing Arsene Wenger's look, it's inevitable this will bite him. I mean, what do we do if we get an injury uh, or a suspension along the way? How far down uh, or how creative do we have to get to fill the gap? 
I don't know. I mean, I, I think we're fine at fullback. You know, I feel like we've got a lot of cover there. We've got guys like Bellerin or even Flamini who could who could fill in. It is just that centre back position, and I agree with you that that Chambers. As, as promising though he looks, will inevitably make mistakes. It's such a concern. We don't have a, an experienced head to turn to there. Um, Monreal, maybe he's an option. I mean, that feels so arbitrary to me. Yeah. You know, it, it feels just like, well, he's a fullback who's not really in the team. So he can kind of, you know, step in. Um, you know, why not? Why Monreal? Why not Kieran Gibbs? It feels like a very arbitrary choice. Why not Debushi? Um, Isaac Hayden is a name who's getting mentioned. Uh, you know, a guy who did he also play against New York? He Hayden did, yeah. Back? He did. I mean, he looked he looked quite assured. Um, but again, we're we're putting a lot of eggs in a young basket there. Um, but I really, you know, I don't see what choice we've got, particularly as we let Ignacy Mikel go. Um, what, do you think that was a mistake to sell Ignacy Mikel? I don't know. I mean, I think if you decide that a player is not good enough, then then what's the point in keeping him, really? Um, but the idea that we've got rid of two centre-halves and not bought one just is baffling. So, um, I mean, speaking of not being good enough, how, how bad a signing would have been good, if you see what I mean? I mean, yeah. were we in a position whereby, I don't know, a sort of Mikael Silvestre-level signing would have helped? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think you could do better than, than Silvestre. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't... That's, that's not hard. No, that's true, a low true. bar as well. <laughs> I just think that across Europe, there had to have been a player, maybe even around the 30, uh, 30 years of age mark, um, a Squilacci-esque signing. Even if he didn't work, you could see why we went for him in terms of his profile and experience, right? So there had to be somebody a bit like that around. But um, I don't know. I'd love for one of the journalists to ask him. That would be that would be great if somebody could actually just sit down and ask him what was he what was his thinking in terms of his defensive recruitment this summer. And do you think they were trying yesterday? I don't know. I mean, we there was talk of uh, Nastasic, wasn't there, and um, mm. the Dortmund guy, and I don't know. I mean, I think you know, as we we spoke about last week, to our understanding, they were definitely looking for a centre half, right? So. Why they didn't get one? Yeah, who knows? Where the it, failure lay, I you know, I can't I can't tell you. We haven't touched on um holding midfield and I think with good reason because you know, for for all we'd like an upgrade there, we have at least got players there. You know, we have got Arteta, we have got Flamini. Yeah. Um Well we always I think we said throughout the summer that we weren't expecting a signing to be made in that area. No, not particularly. I think I mean if you could have had so if you look at the three positions, holding midfield, centre-back, centre-forward, how would they have been in terms of priority for you on deadline day? Would centre-forward have been the top priority or would it have been centre-back? Maybe in the light of Giroud's injury, the striking issue became a bit more pressing, you know? Yeah. Um, particularly when when you have Sonogo being asked to do a job. And I feel sorry for him, really. Uh, he's trying but he's, he's a bit out of his depth and you can see that he's so desperate to make an impact and to score a goal and just to finally get that monkey off his back, you know. Um, he might well be a different player once he gets a goal or two under his belt, but I don't think that was a risk we could necessarily take. And the other options, Podolski, no, Arsene Wenger doesn't like him as a striker. We know that. He doesn't really 
like him a great deal anyway because he was going to sell him last week before Giroud got injured. Mm. Interesting to see Joel Campbell stay. I was almost convinced that he was going to go. Um, so I wonder if had had Welbeck been done a little bit earlier, would Campbell have been let go? Mm. You know, I wonder. But look, you know, he's there now, and it would be good to see him get his chance um, and to 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 make an impact. Because if he does, then look, that's another player that we've added to the squad this summer. Um, that's that's been sort of um, overlooked. I just want to touch on the 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 window overall. If there's a little bit of uh, unhappiness, it seems to me that it's more based on yesterday, on deadline day, rather than the overall window. So if we leave aside the d- defensive thing, which neither of us or any of us can can get to terms with, um, I think you know it, it was close to being a very good window, as uh, West Antone said. Just a centre back would change the complexion of how we feel about this squad. I think. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, it's it, you got to look at quality and, and quantity. I don't think you can question the quality of the signings. Really, I think you know they're all they all seem to be top players. They all seem very promising. It, it's just the quantity that's the only issue. You know, we're probably one or two short. Um, and it is amazing. I, I believe we are still the Premier League club who's made less signings than any other club this season, which see, this summer, which seems mad because we've we've made plenty. Mm. Um, but it's been a big summer. It's been a big summer for the Premier League, I think. And um, did you yeah. see that stat um, from? Uh, I think it was James Horncastle. Um, basically, whole city in this transfer window spent more than Inter Milan. Uh, AC Milan and Napoli combined. Crazy, That's how it? much money is going around the Premier League. It's, it's yeah, it's ludicrous, really. Mm. When you put it like that, uh, I mean, Hull had a, a very busy day yesterday, but I mean, that is crazy. Mm. And and you know, but I think to go back to the question of the overall transfer window, I, I think yeah, I, I think you know, it's it's great. We're just. We're just at least one player light, possibly two light. But in terms of the quality of the signings, I'm, I'm pretty happy. And our, you know, all of those players, I think look look like they'll be good buys. It's, yeah. it's just a shame we didn't quite sort of tick every box in terms of the positions that we needed. Mm. Uh, finally, for this part of the show, you'll remember that um, back in May we were asked what we thought our 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 gross spend was going to be and our net spend was going to be, and we we gave out some figures, right? So let me just uh, run by what we've spent on you, and if um, if I'm off in any way, you can tell me. Uh, thirty million for Alexis, is that right? Uh, at a minimum, yeah, right. somewhere between thirty and thirty-five. Yeah. Okay. Um, Debushi for twelve million, Chambers sixteen million, Ospina three million, Welbeck sixteen million. Yeah, sounds about right. So I've got seventy-seven million. Okay, so it could go as high as eighty-two million pounds. Um, what we've spent, uh, if that Alexis is at thirty-five, right? Yeah. So what we've brought in, um, Vermalen, ten million pounds, because that was around fifteen million euros. Okay. So I think there's some add-ons there that we might get. So even if we say twelve million pounds for Vermalen, uh, eight million on that Vela thing. Yes, that was. So that takes handy. us to twenty million. Um, and then would we say, like, Mikel and Juru, what, three million for the two of them? Yeah, maybe? something like that. So there's 23 million. Did we get any money for Sesk? Oh, people, yeah, people talked there's about a lot of five million. about that, but I don't know how true that is. 
Yeah, I don't know, but I mean, we can add it on if you want. I mean, I know how I know we're wrong, you see. So I'm just trying to mitigate how wrong we are. <laughs> well, look, okay. Well, let's add that on, and that's like 28 million. So let's say we've got a net spend of 77 million, and a uh, oh no, a gross spend of 77 million, and uh, we brought in 28 million, right? Yeah. So that leaves us with 49 million pounds that we've spent. That's our net spend. Okay. The estimates as they were, you said a total spend of 42 million and a net spend of 33 million. Yeah. And I said a total spend of 54 million and a net spend of 40 million. So I win. You do win. I am the champion. Although I suspect, in a way, we both we both lose. We're both winners, and also, yeah. Thank you very much. That's very generous. But, but I'm not as generous as Arsenal in terms of how much they've gone out and spent this summer. And I, you know, is that something? I mean, we should feel good about that, shouldn't we? Yeah, I think so. When you consider that normally our net spend is about three pounds fifty and a six pack of crisps, um, it's a big jump forward, isn't it? And I know people have said, oh, well, we don't have ambition or we haven't done this or we haven't done that. But we have spent, from our point of view, a significant amount of money. And it's a significant increase on anything we've spent in in transfer windows past. Yeah, I mean, this is the first summer for a while where I felt like... And when you think about... I'm sorry just to interrupt there, but when you think about the 40-odd million on on Ozil last August, you know, in the calendar year, if you want to get into that whole thing, Mm. we've spent a lot of money. We have, certainly. And and I think, you know, this is the first summer, and as I suppose plays into that as well, where I felt like when we when we wanted a player, we took them almost slightly regardless of budgetary constraints. You know, we, we paid what was necessary to get Sanchez. We paid what was necessary to get Welbeck. You know, I feel like that's hugely encouraging. I know there are stories about us haggling over William Carvalho, but mm. as a rule, we seem to have been happy to put down money when we've needed to. Uh, and I do think that's encouraging. And when January comes around, you know, I'm sure we'll be in the market for a defender and hopefully hopefully that time we'll, we'll get it done. All right. Well, look, uh, we'll leave part one of this Arscast Extra there. It could be a lengthy one, this one, but uh, we'll leave part one right here and we'll be back in a couple of moments with your questions. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. Now is the time where we take your questions. Send to us on Twitter at GunnerBlog and at ArsBlog with the hashtag Arsecast Extra. And before we just get into the first question, I want to say thank you to everybody who does um, send in questions. Obviously, we can't get to all of them every week, um, but we do appreciate them. So please keep them coming. And thank you to everybody who's been listening. Um, change the podcast hosting at the end of the summer so I can get fairly detailed stats now. And in August, we had uh, over 325,000 downloads of the Arscast and the Arscast Extra. So thank you all wow. very much indeed. That's pretty big, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's almost it's as crazy lot. as those that Hull stat. Yeah. <laughs> We've nearly spent as much as Hull on podcasts. Yeah, exactly. All right, here's the first question. Um and it comes from Tom Cajeo, I think it is, uh, at Thomas Cajeo, Cajelo. And he wants to know, given we have an injury list longer than a Leonard Cohen song, 
Mm-hmm. What conclusions, if any, can we uh, draw about Chad Forsyth at this stage? Have we just been incredibly lucky or unlucky, rather? Or do players like physical fitness because of the World Cup, etc., etc.? He's a fraud, isn't he, Chad Forsyth? <laughs> a charlatan. He's a charlatan. He's, he's selling snake oil. Exactly, yeah. He's a, he's a crack. Uncle uh, Shad's old-time knee-jinx recipe. <laughs> um, I think it's far too early, probably, to draw any kind of conclusions about, about Shad. Um, I don't know a huge amount about sports science and physiotherapy and all those kinds of things, but I imagine the techniques that we bring in over with him will take some time to implement. Um, also, no one can mitigate against something like a freak injury like Olivier Giroud's, which... Is is a truly freak incident, isn't it? He got mm. hit by a hit by a ball. Um, so I do think you know who've we had injuries to so far this season. Arteta, Arteta, yeah. That was a sprain, though. I mean, that's a guy going over on his ankle, which you know is impossible for any fitness coach to to yeah. work on. I mean, it strikes me the main ones have been you know Gibbs, Diaby, and Snogo, and I feel like there are inherent problems with those players <laughs> that that I'm not even sure that Shad Forsyth will be able to fix. He needs to uh, juice them up good. Yeah, he really does. Give them that, that German juice, whatever they're on. But I am... Um, Not yeah, Jesus I, juice, I hope, though. No, please, no. Um, I think... Yeah. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In essence, I think it's too early to say. You know, he only would have joined up with the squad after the World Cup. Um, I kind of think you've got to give him at least a year before we can start to judge his his contribution. Yeah. Uh, what would, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. It's too it's too early, and um, yeah, I mean there are complicating issues, aren't there, with the players being away from the World Cup and. Uh, truncated pre-seasons and everything else uh, I think the proof of it will you know we'll start to see hopefully the benefits of it in the second half of the season where we don't lose players at, at crucial times uh, for, for long periods of time um, so yeah yeah I think we need to give him just a, just a little bit more time okay cool right next question this is from uh, Pete Leonard classic Arsenal fan been a bit of good news and he's, he's worrying about how to deal with it he asks uh, with the arrival of Welbeck Giroud back in 2015 and Arsene keen to develop Sanchez and Sonogo as forwards. How do we keep everyone happy? You probably don't. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Somebody is going to be 
unhappy. I mean, that's the nature of competition and having a, a healthy squad in those areas. Because if you look, even we use the goalkeeping situation as an example, that David Ospina has come in, Columbia, uh, full international. Uh, Wojciech Szczesny is the number one. And the manager says, whoever plays best is going gonna, is gonna to get the, the shirt. Yeah. Ultimately, that leaves one player unhappy. Uh, if you've got a Stuart Taylor goalkeeper who doesn't mind sitting on the bench, that's what his career is about, then it's no big thing. But if you've got players that want to play and you've got players that are hungry to play, when they don't, they're not going to be happy. But I suppose you've got to judge the character of the players and do they have the fight? Like if Giroud, for example, comes back and finds that Welbeck is banging in the goals and is almost established as the number one striker, what what way does he react to that? Does he, you know, buckle down and fight hard to get his place back and take his chances? Or is he going to piss off somewhere else? And if he wants to piss off somewhere else, well, that's only because somebody is playing better than him. So um, I don't really have an issue with that uh, at all. I think that's a healthy situation. Um, uh, and I, I don't worry really about that. If, inevitably, there's enough football um, for, for the games to go around, right? Yeah, and also, you know, two of those guys, Welbeck and Sanchez, can, can play wide, uh, and I'm sure will be called upon to do so at certain times. The one thing I do wonder is, uh, is the arrival of Welbeck bad news for Yaya Sonogo? Because they're only two years apart, really, in terms of age, and yet Welbeck seems a lot further on in his development. Um, you know, Sonogo did seem set to have quite a big part to play in the first team. With Welbeck arriving, that's going to be significantly diminished. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if when Giroud does come back in January, Snogo is, is sent out on loan. And to be honest, I think that, that might be the best thing. Yeah. Don't see any issue there. Okay. Here's one from True Story at True Story underscore number four. And a number of people have, have asked this question um, and want to know, although he did call you Gunberblog. <laughs> he put it He knows my secret identity. Yeah, Gunberblog. Fighting crime. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he wants to know, is Danny Welbeck like a low-risk version of Mario Balotelli? <laughs> well, look, it's the obvious comparison, isn't it? Um, simply because the fees are very similar and both were available to move in this window. Um, I don't think... I don't think Arsene would have gone near Balotelli, if I'm honest. Uh, I think he would have obviously been attracted by his, his talent, but... The way he talked about him in the press conference where he said, you know, I've read all summer we were signing Balotelli, it's nonsense. My inference was he, he wouldn't touch him with the barge pole because he had concerns about his character. And I don't think anyone has any concerns about the character of Danny Welbeck. Everyone who speaks about him speaks in glowing terms. Um, I don't think he's got the same level of, you know, God-given natural ability. Uh, but I think he might be a, a more obvious fit for our system. It just feels like a much more Arsene Wenger signing. Yeah. Uh, and there are positives and negatives to that. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, he, he'll be a better fit. Mm. I'm not sure I'm not sure he's a better player than Balotelli. But I wouldn't put much limit on his potential. I think, you know, let's see how he does before we make that assessment. I mean, given a straight choice, I'll offer you now, Welbeck or Balotelli. Mm. That, that is that, I mean, that does put it in difficult terms isn't it it does yeah i mean it's just impossible to overlook the issues that balotelli has had or has you know um and i think it was the the italian manager who said after the the world cup that look balotelli's not a bad kid you know he just kind of lives in his own world and i think 
at times, while that might be productive, it's very often counterproductive, um, mm-hmm. not just for the one player, but for, for the whole group. So, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, one thing I would say is that, you know, I don't regard Arsene Wenger as like a particularly fierce disciplinarian. So he's not, I'm not sure he's necessarily the manager to deal with Balotelli. You know, I feel like he likes quite a kind of positive atmosphere in the training camp. He likes, a kind, you know, he talks about equality among his players, giving everyone the right to express themselves. He's not someone who I can imagine hammering discipline into Balotelli. No. I'm not sure it's a marriage made in heaven, basically, Wenger and Balotelli. No. And and the other thing is, is I, you know, I think Brendan Rodgers, um, who, who I think he's just going to try and scare Balotelli mm. with his with his supposed kindness and niceness, with those yeah. sharky teeth of his. Balotelli will be just wake up one night and Rodgers will be sitting over him on the bed. All yeah. you see are these retarded shark teeth. <laughs> And I don't. I see that as a relationship that might start well, but I think ultimately Balotelli will get a pain as hole with Rogers, and um, we'll see. All right, go on. Let's get another question. Okay, another question. Um, okay, this was quite interesting. This is from Steve. His Twitter handle is at Meven Stiller. Oh, I bet his name's Stephen Miller. I see what he's done there. He asks, do you think potential defensive recruits were put off by Murta Shelney, given the captain had already had to leave? It's a good question, that, isn't it? Mm. Um, Depends on who we were trying to bring in, doesn't it? Um, Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it is, maybe it is something that gives you pause for thought if you're going to... If you're going to sign for a club where there's an established player in your position, that would, I suppose, if you're a player that wants to play, that would make you that would make you think twice. And maybe that's maybe that's what it is. Maybe Arsene Wenger wasn't able to sell the you'll definitely get games um, throughout the season. You know, Koscielny and Mertesacker can't play every game. You'll you'll definitely play. But Vermaelen hardly played at all last season. A bit of cup football, and that was it. Interesting. I didn't. I didn't actually ever think of that. I just, you know, maybe in terms of the the, the profile of the player we we needed in the last couple of weeks of the window, we didn't necessarily have to bring in somebody who would expect first team football. You know. Yeah, I think there's plenty of people who would have been in the requisite caliber to provide decent backup who would have been prepared to come and you know uh, play sort of second fiddle at a Champions League club. The other thing I, I think is that, you know, top athletes have a certain arrogance about their own ability. I think if a guy walks into a club, he, I think most of the time he has that belief in himself that if he gets a chance, he's capable of taking it. If you can convince David Espina that it makes sense to join Arsenal and that you might, you know, get first-team opportunities out of it, mm. then I think you could you, sh- you ought to be able to convince the centre-half to do the same. They're more likely to get on the field than a spinner is at any given time. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I'm not sure that would have been a factor, but uh, definitely an interesting question. Mm. All right, here's one from Rumple Smooth Skin. The very hey. wonderfully, his Twitter handle is at Arsqueef, which is <laughs> lovely. But he wants to know, what is your thoughts on Ozil on the left? Is it Arsene Wenger being stubborn or will he surprise us all? And what do you make of the, the sort of the formation this season? It's slightly changed. Yeah. 
I didn't really notice it to be honest until I went to the my first uh, live match of the season, which was the uh, home game against uh, Besiktas, and and it became very clear to me then that we are lining up in quite a, a different way. And I don't know, you know, people have called it a four-one-four-one. I think that is accurate. That it's kind of an anchoring midfielder, then quite a, a big and distressing gap <laughs> and then kind of four attack-minded midfielders ahead of that you know Wilshire and Ramsey or, or Cazorla in the centre we've seen and Ozil finding himself out wide I, I think it's a little bit surprising to see him there you know there was such a focus last season on on getting him in that number 10 role you know at the expense of Santi Cazorla who was played on the left you, seeing them you know, the other way round seemed a bit unthinkable this time last season. And, and, and yet here we are. Um, I wonder if it was in part influenced by Germany's success at the World Cup. I mean, Meza Ozil played on the flank for them and, you know, they they profited. You know, he, he didn't play brilliantly as an individual, but it seemed to, to suit the team set up. Mm. I don't know. I mean, what will be really interesting is basically Arsenal Wenger's got a couple of weeks now, international break. He can restructure the side again if needs be. You know, if that system is something he just put together because of the players he had available at the very start of the season, because he had to find a way to accommodate, say, Ramsey and Wilshire in the same midfield. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if that's the case or if it's something he's going to persist with. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm honest. It wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me hugely either way. What what's your take? I don't think he quite knows how to fit them in the team yet. Like, I think he wants Cazorla, Ozil and Sanchez uh, in the team and he doesn't really know the best way to do that at the moment. Um, Because it was interesting first half against Leicester that Ozil started on the left, Cazorla in the middle and Alexis on the right. But as the half went on, Alexis moved over to the left, then Cazorla was on the left, then Ozil was in the middle, then Cazorla was on the right. And, you know, I think they were probably given instruction. Look, guys, float around. Make sure one of you is in one of those positions. But I think it just confused us um, more than anything. And we ended up uh, in the second half with Alexis pretty much stuck on the left-hand side. That's where he was being told. So I think it might just take a bit of tinkering. um, And it might be something that won't quite work until we've got people, you know, fully match fit and fully up to sharpness and, and maybe, uh, hopefully, after the interlull, uh, that'll be the case. So, uh, were, you, uh, were you surprised Alexis didn't continue in the centre after the Siktash game for Leicester? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of think that maybe there was an element of Arsene Wenger saying, it's Leicester, it would be a good, you know, with Giroud injured, it would be a good day for Sonogo to get off the mark. Mm. Um, and look, I can put Cazorla, uh, Alexis, and Ozil behind him, and you know and you could see why he can't score then. Yeah, and then he didn't, <laughs> and now we have Danny Welbeck. So I think we'll we'll uh, we'll take the lesson from that. Okay, cool. Um, okay, this is a question, and it's one that's come in from a few people. But this is Adarsh Atal who asked this. He asks, "Are there any free agents that can add a sliver of hope to this defence?" Because we can still sign a free agent, of course. Mm. I uh, Genuinely, I don't know. Don't know. I mean, I think if a player is a free agent at this point, there's usually a reason for it. Either he's fallen out completely with uh, his club and has been let go or he's been injured or his contract has expired and nobody wanted him. And I think if there's a player of sufficient quality who is a free agent, 
Um, yeah, I think they probably would have been snapped up by not just us, but other other clubs who could have uh, who could have picked up a decent player. So I I really don't know. That's my answer there. Do you? Let me let me throw a name at you. Right, Titus. Titus Andronicus. <laughs> Titus Bramble, my friend. Yeah, I, I uh, mean that's yeah. that's it's a name certainly. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean that is the kind of level you're looking at. There's yeah. some talk that Mario Yepes, uh, the the veteran hero of the World Cup, is available on a free transfer. Oh, fuck. you know what? I loved him in the World Cup. He was one of my favourite players in yeah. the World Cup. Thirty eight years of age. Um and storming about the place and making tackles and bombing around and uh, did it? Did he score a goal in one of the games as well? I think he might have done. Yeah, I thought he was fucking deadly. I loved him. But so ha- go on. How would you feel about him turning up in the Premier League? Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> now, look, it's not as if it's not as if we've got a great deal of choice, is it? If it's Mario Yepes or Titus, you know. There's, there's only he'd be, one. He'd be 39 there. in January. Come on, 39. That would be amazing. It would be amazing. But well, you know, maybe the 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 rigors of the Premier League might just be a little too much for him, though. Well, he is a free agent, so he left Atalanta in the summer. Um, and agent Gino Culbertson, which is a brilliant name, um, have the exclusive UK mandate mandate for Yepes, and he's talking to several clubs about a potential free transfer move. Come on, Arsene, make yeah. it happen. Do it. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> that would be brilliant. Maybe not the Mario everybody wanted at the start of the transfer window, but the Mario we deserve. Exactly. All right. Uh, here's one from... Um, oh, hang on. Let me... I haven't got one. That was the wrong question. Do, okay. Do, do. Okay. Here's one from Benjamin Donaldson. The, mm-hmm. at the disaster chef. And he says, do you think the signing of Sanchez and Welbeck takes a bit of the pressure off Ozil as the, the biggest signing, even if he remains the most expensive? I think Sanchez more so. Do you think Ozil feels that pressure? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. He gave quite a revelatory interview, didn't he, um, to the Temery Winter in The Telegraph, in which he showed certainly a, an awareness of the criticism that exists around him. Um, and that brings with it a certain pressure, I mm. imagine. You know, I talked before about the the arrogance of athletes, the self-confidence they sort of tend to possess. And, you know, he, he must believe in his own abilities to a certain extent. But I, I guess there is a kind of pressure. Um, you know, he's not started the season like a house on fire, has he? I mean, no. you know, anyone hoping that, you know, the season would get underway and suddenly he'd be all shiny and adapted will have been disappointed. Um, I think that would be unrealistic to expect that, especially after, you know, coming back from the World Cup. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's, it's not been a brilliant start for him. And, you know, if that wears on, I, I mean, he's not hurting the team. He, you know, he's, he's obviously, he's, he's making a decent contribution. I think, I think Sanchez has already taken a bit of the pressure off him, to be honest. You know, he's two goals in his last two games. People are talking about him as the kind of bright new bright new star of the team. And I, I do think that taking that spotlight off Ozil and playing him wide is doing that as well to an extent might not hurt him. Just allow him to sort of, you know, get into his groove without some of the scrutiny. Mm. And in fairness, it was um it was an Ozil assist, wasn't it? For um for uh, for the goal. Yeah, indeed. Against Besiktas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, I'm not sure exactly how, how intentional that was because Jack Wilshire kind of 
you know, was involved, wasn't he? And then sort of let it run. But, yeah. you know, he's involved in the play. And, yeah, it's, it's not been a great start to the season, but I, I still have high hopes. I mean, you know, he's a fantastic player. It's just about... You feel a bit lower weight of something to click, and maybe it is something to do with Wenger getting this formation right and getting Ozil in the right positions on the pitch. I mean, mm. do, do you feel he should be in the centre fundamentally? I think probably that's where he's going to be best, and obviously that's where he wants to play because he says that's where he is one of the best players in the world. Um, but again, I think it goes back to us just finding the right way of, of fitting him in the team or, or the players that Arsene Wenger wants to fit in the team, and maybe just having somebody like... Uh, Welbeck as a centre forward who's got that pace that the others can exploit. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the thing. Mm. So we'll see. Okay, I've got I've got a, a couple more. Um, we'll do them. We'll do them a bit quickly. Um, obviously, yesterday transfer deadline day, um, we see certain behaviour from fans and and Arcelot at Arcelot says deadline day has seen an escalation in bad behaviour behind reporters. Um, one guy, poor unfortunate fellow, got smashed in the head with a big purple dildo. Um, he says, well, what do you expect to see next year? I don't know. I mean, God knows what they'll do with the dildo next year. There was I, a blow-up doll? Yes, there was. There was a, a thing of people swearing very fast and very quickly mm-hmm. and then running away. I must confess, that made me laugh. That's terrible, but I, <laughs> I'm sorry to excuse what's news now. It did just make me laugh, the incongruity of it all. I mean, it's he says next year. I'm not sure there'll be a next year in terms of putting those reporters out you know, in, amongst the masses in that way. Interesting uh, that the guy who was outside the Emirates ended up inside the Emirates. He must have just knocked on the door going, please let me in. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if maybe the club, is seeing people cheer the news that Danny Welbeck hadn't had a medical, were like, right, we'll just uh, airlift you out of there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it is it is grim. And we've seen in the past, you know, people at, at Stoke fending off orc attack and things like that. I, I think that maybe Sky have reached a point whereby they're like, do you know what? We probably need to put these people safely indoors somewhere. Yeah, this um, is this is not reflecting well on what we're trying to do. Or, not reflecting well on British society. Really, <laughs> There's a very good case to be made for any of the people that are behind a Sky reporter just kind of, you know, bringing them off somewhere in a big lorry and, and dumping them off a cliff. No, I, I I do agree. Quite weird their coverage all in all. I mean, I don't know if you were watching last night when they were kind of spying on Hatton Ben Arthur at Hull, sort of filming through the blinds, um, watching him sort of hug Steve Bruce and things like that. Did you see that? No, I missed that. Were they trying to get nude pictures of him? Or it, it felt very much that way. You know, they were just like, and here he is doing his contract negotiations and it was like a guy in the bushes with a camera. I was, like, <laughs> I was a bit like, how far is this going to go? You know, they're going to follow him home as well. Oh, well, look, yeah, maybe they've just reached a point where, yeah, something something needs to change. Have you got well, any more questions? Yeah, yeah, or? well, actually, yeah, so on. On, on this theme, mm. um, Tom Langridge asks, um, as bloggers, do you get more traffic on transfers than, say, a cup final? And was there always this transfer hysteria pre-Sky Sports News and Twitter? Uh, yeah, I mean, transfers are always... People have huge interest in transfers and shirt numbers, for whatever reason. They're the shirt two, numbers. Shirt really? numbers, yeah. Um, mm. I think if you go to Ars Blog News, you can see um, there's a list of the most most viewed stories on the site, and three of them are, are transfer deadline day live blogs, and one is like somebody, ch- Diaby, changing his number. So, 
Yeah, I mean, there there is, of course, a huge interest in it, and people are clicking like crazy and refreshing, and they're looking for news everywhere. Um, but is it getting worse, do you think? Is it getting worse? In worse the sense that... Worse, but is it getting more hysterical? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, because yesterday there was, you know, if you were to dip in and out of Twitter, I'm, you know, in terms of who I follow and, and what I look at, um, I'm, I won't say immune from it because people can obviously send me messages and you see some stuff and you're thinking, come on, like just relax a little bit. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think just in general, the online discourse is is in a place where it could be improved. Would that be fair to say? Um, yeah. You know, after the Leicester game, uh, there were comments, now not published, but they're in moderation, where somebody has said something and a guy has come in to reply and he's going, you, you know, I'm going to stab you for that. And you're thinking you're going to stab someone because they have an opinion on a football match that you don't agree with. And I know it's just a bit keyboard warrior-ish, but I think, you know, in general, people could do more to be a bit more polite and mannerly online. Let's all just love each other. Yeah, exactly. Give peace a chance. Come on. Here's one. Arson I, was yesterday. He yeah. was in a peace match. Yeah, exactly. He was doing his bit. Exactly. For goodness sake. Right, here's one on that, on Arsene Wenger. This one comes from uh, JPE, at JPE and dress. Japendress. Japendress. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But he says, who's better at poker, Arsene Wenger or those dogs in that painting? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question, isn't it? Um, I think it's the dogs because it's hard to read a dog's poker face because fundamentally they express emotion in a different way to human beings. (laughs) Fido must have a good hand. Look, his tail is wagging like crazy. (laughs) And you wouldn't want to see Arsene's tail wagging. No, that's true, yeah. That would be quite the tell, wouldn't it? <laughs> the tail going. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with the dogs, though, just because I really like those paintings. I think whatever, you know, I don't know when that happened. I don't know when those dogs played that poker that those paintings first took place. But, I mean, it must have been a hell of a game. Yeah. Dogs playing poker is right up there with dogs in the front seat of a car, which is a, right, one of my favourite things of all time. When you yeah. see a dog going along in the front seat of a car with a seatbelt on and everything. Yeah, I like that. Head I, out the window. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. happy like like a Podolsky dog. Yeah, exactly. Have you got one more? I've got one more. And if you've got one more, that would even it up. I've got one more. It's not very. It's not as cheerful as the dog's poker one. Right, my one's relatively cheerful, so we can, okay, we can so switch we'll back and forth. Yeah. Right, okay. So this is from Cavetastic, uh, and he asks, what has changed in our team that will allow them to avoid huge defeats by top sides aside from Sanchez's pace up top. You would hope that lessons will have been learned uh, in terms of our approach to those games, because I think what we came to the conclusion was that we were a little bit too um, reckless Mm -hmm. in the way that we approached those games and the way that we defended, Um, particularly early on. And, you know, you go behind and all of a sudden, instead of consolidating at 2-0 down, you you immediately try and get back into the game and you push on and then you get punished again and then you're fucked. Um, So I would suggest that the initial approach to those games might be a little more cautious and that if we do have a setback and concede a goal, that we don't go mental 
and immediately think we've got to score straight away. Mm. So that would be my thing. And maybe just having a bit more in terms of our attack might just prevent the opposition being as as uh, as fluid going forward as they might like because uh, they could leave gaps that could be exploited too. Yeah, I, I would agree. I'd say at the back, you know, the personnel is not going to be radically different. Mm. Hopefully, hopefully the strategy will be. Yeah, exactly. If you've got the experience, you know, if you have a bad experience or you get punched in the face a lot, then you'd stop doing the things that like make you get punched in the face a lot, right? You'd think. Right, okay, here it is. Here's the final question for this week's Arsecast Extra. It comes from Arsenal Edge, at Arsenal Edge. And he wants to know, if you were to turn Danny Welbeck upside down, would he tip over or be reasonably stable? <laughs> I think it depends how much how much he moved, to be honest. If he, if he could keep very still, it is a very flat top, isn't it? Yeah. Impressively which, so. Which I like. I have to, lot. yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't pull that off. No. No. I mean, I, mine would have a hole in it where I'm losing my hair. <laughs> but, like, um, I, I think, yeah, it's impressive. Could be a drinks holder. Yeah, it really could. You could find a use for it, definitely. Um, I think he could well balance. If he, if he sort of, you know, spread his arms and legs appropriately into a kind of even shape... Or, or kept them very tight, even like a skittle. Uh, yeah, I reckon he could, probably could balance on that. Yeah, it, it's it's one of my. It immediately goes sort of high up the list of my favourite haircuts in the Arsenal squad. I would say. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm down with it. Certainly more of a fan of that than I am of uh, Machu Debushi's latest effort. I have to say. Yeah, and it's it's far, far superior to a Shamak or, or something like that. Well, if we're judging strikers on their haircuts alone, Welbeck's going to be a big upgrade on Shamak, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and the good thing is, is if he perfects that balancing act, that if things go wrong in his footballing career, he's got a uh, he's got a chance to to make a living on the Ramblas in Barcelona as a street performer. Well, that's that's very true. Also, he could improve his chances of ever scoring with a bicycle kick instead of launching himself into it, as most players have to do. He could just wait. In the penalty area. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Balanced on the penalty spot, waiting for the cross to come in. If he kept, maybe he's like a, a velociraptor. Yeah. You know, if he kept really, really still, nobody would be able to see him. Exactly. No, that's the velociraptor, a human thing, isn't it? You've got to keep still. They can't see you. But It's the T-Rex, I believe. Yeah. I mean, I've not encountered many dinosaurs, but that's my limited knowledge. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, look, um, we'll leave it there for this week's Arsecast Extra. James, as always, thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you. I'm not sure if we're going to have an Arsecast this Friday because it is the interlude, but you never know. I'll keep you informed on the blog. So until the next time we speak, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.